Joe, 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 Joe. What? Getting the... See that? The camera just flew off the... Did it? <laughs> Luckily, that's just... I mean... Just filled out my NCA May Madness bracket. The action starts today. You got yours in at the buzzer. I did. About 10 seconds remaining, you hit the submit button. Shout out to collegetennisranks.com for putting on a bracket challenge. What do you get if you win? That's a good question. <laughs> I know Tennis Point and Cracked Rackets are going to be doing a giveaway on social media. I haven't even put it out there yet, but that'll be out there at some point today. Probably going to give away a Selenko racket as well as some grips and some string. Shout out to our friends from Selenko for sending me an awesome care package this past week. We got beautiful whiteout stenciled up right behind you with Outlast. I think that Selenko stick is amazing. It's I like it better than the Wilson Blade. I really do. It's like well, this one, that one's strung real loose too. Forty-eight yep. pounds, yeah. It's a little so. Like, I think the frame is a little stiffer than the Wilson Blade V8, which I I prefer. I feel like I can. It, the, I feel like the racket's not lagging. But JP, happy Friday, my happy man. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to the tennis world out there listening, guys. I want to say before we start, appreciate you guys for tuning in, sharing this with your friends, or just interacting with this podcast. It's pretty cool to see that we've got um, over like. Almost 3,500 downloads now. Yeah, subscribers, um, too. Subscribers, yeah. So that's it's a big day for the Pure Tennis Podcast. We set out a, a, a goal at the beginning of the year to have 100 listeners per episode, and we've uh, surpassed that. Our goal was to talk about tennis. It was. <laughs> it, our goal was we set small goals, and we wanted to just kind of just keep it chugging, and uh, we hope to continue to bring you guys fun content. We're going to have fun guests lined up, but, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, like 50 episodes in, man. Yeah, congrats, dude. Congrats to you, man. Congrats Appreciate you. you. We've got our own studio now. We do. We've got our own studio. We've got a whole hell of a long distance away from a from our basement. So. It is. We we started this podcast in JP's basement, but um, JP, can you give a can you give the listeners a little preview of your final four uh, for your bracket? I mean, I will say that at the end of like I had about four minutes to do it because I I wasn't keeping track of my homework and then. <laughs> So when I finally got time to do it, I submitted it with about 10 seconds left on the clock. So I, I will say I was rushed. I will do some big pointers, though. I took TCU. Ooh, I took, TCU. The... I took Ohio State. Yep. Um, I, was, I, I got some upsets. I got uh, Cornell. I gonna, Cornell, I like it. Not going deep, but okay. I have them winning. Okay. Um, yeah, I have to go back and look. I'm just remembering yeah. some of my picks. Fun, fun bracket though. This this Baylor, draw is loaded. Yeah, Baylor. Baylor could do some damage. I think they can get through the first. Like first round, you got to get through. I put Kentucky through. I put I uh, SEC champs. Yeah. I think yeah, it's gonna be a ton of fun, and I think I will take just my champion is gonna be. I got Virginia. Ooh. Going back to back. I took, actually sorry. I have them losing to TCU in the final. I wanted to put them as back to back champions, but I think TCU just has the mojo. Indoor national champions, yeah. Big Twelve conference tournament champions. They get the Texas Texas matchup though, right off the bat. Yep. Get kind of yep. tossy. So JP, I wanted to start in the on the ATP action in Madrid. Did you get to see that Carlos Alcaraz interview? Um, shout to Lucille Allard, a girl that uh, does great work. She's works for Lequip. I met her a few years ago and. I heard that. I heard her voice, and I'm like, Lucille, that was amazing. You went, your question went viral. You know, she asked, you know, Carlos, what are your dreams with tennis? And Carlos was just super candid and honest, and didn't shy away from what he's setting out to do. And he said, you know, my dreams in tennis are to be uh, down as one of the greatest players in history. And I thought that was just like, how many players are you going to hear say that? And how many players would you actually believe if they said that at 19 years old? I mean, it's a 
it's a bold statement, but then in the same rate, like you look back after he said that, you told me to go look at it. We were talking about it too because it's just you see like the rise of Djokovic or yeah. the rise of Nadal, and you see these guys they come in and they move through the the six hundreds and the one hundreds and down through the fifties and into the thirties like so smooth that it's like they get into the top 10. It's like, why wouldn't you be one of the greatest of all time? Because you move through all of these, you're going to defend your ranking for, you can look at his age and just know he's going to be there forever. I mean, he's 20 years old. His birthday is today. Like, yeah, shout out to him and Sabalenka having big birthdays on the, on the May 5th. I mean, he's not a teenager. Cinco de Mayo. He's not even a teenager, and he's like number I, one I in the world. I think that's just, I think that's a good sign. Of, no one's playing better than him. No, and he's got, he's born on Cinco de Mayo. I think Cinco that's de a, Mayo. I think that's a good sign for the kid. But, um. I went watching I, the match, too, just like. And Andy Roddick also had an interesting thing about him, just he's the most all-around, like, developed player that. That's I mean, what has, I was going to say. There's no weaknesses. Yeah. No weakness. Like, if you're, and we talked about this on an episode not too long ago, it's like. If you're coaching against him, where do you point your player to attack? It's like I I don't know where that where that part of his game is lacking. Like what what aspect of your of his game are you going to try to attack? It's like his movement is flawless. If you let him play offense and dictate, that's not a recipe for success. You can't bring him forward. He's comfortable in the front court. He's better shaped than you. I mean, his second serve might be the one place that you can try to tee off on, but it's like good luck. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's no. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's like the one area where, like, if you want to jump on him early, right. it's got to be the second serve, and you got to capitalize. But Carlos is just unbelievable, and I think his just charisma and ability to just like he just looks like he's enjoying himself. That's at what all I mean. Times. It doesn't seem like he's ever in a place where he gets the fear of anybody either other than maybe Sinner right now like who, I don't feel like anyone scares him on tour at who all. did he play in Madrid that he threw his racket once I'm like I couldn't believe I even saw him throw his racket I, I kind of liked it though it's like he is it a, was relatable I, I, I didn't mean, know if he had that in him I'm trying to remember I can't remember who it was it was someone that Altmaier was it no no it was it was early on in the tournament but he He's just, I mean, what he did to Hachinov, I mean. Hachinov, like, Hachinov was playing the best he's ever played, too. Like, yep. just bombing. But like, he came in there, he's like, I'm going to hit hard. Alcaraz is just bringing him up with the drop shot, lobbing it over his head, it's, hitting behind his back. I mean, it's just so much art. It's just because he's, like, playing creatively. And he's like, got that ability to just hit that, like, Holger has done it as well, which I've been impressed with these guys that are able to throw that change up where it's like a, it's basically a moon ball with a, a ton of tossman. It works very well on the clay. They'll hit. They'll usually hit it to the opponent's backhand corner, and it just asks players the question like, "What are you gonna do with this shot?" And it's well, that's you, the thing too is like when I looked at that match specifically, I feel like Hachinov came in with a game plan. I feel like some other than Djokovic, like Alcaraz's game plan is I'm gonna play outside of your ability. Like I'm gonna stay in this world where you can't compete with these shots. Like Hachinov. I mean, not to like knock the power game, but he was—he definitely came in to just hit bombs at him, and like he just ate up all that power and just drop shot, lob, drop shot, lob, work you off the court. It's just mm -hmm. different. I and, don't it, know. and he's, I think, the ability to not only have the drop shot in his pocket at all times, so like and he just his disguise, his ability to disguise it. I mean, he talked about in the tournament prior. I think it was Barcelona, like against Tsitsipas. He's like. I know against Sissipas, I can hit a lot of drop shots, and he won't even—he's not going to touch most of them. And that was like—he said it like in a way that was pretty <laughs> true, like, as, as humble as you could say it. Right. But it's like it's so true. It's like Steph had no chance against those droppers. I would say seventy percent of them, 
he didn't even take a step forward. He just gave up as soon as the ball was hit. It's like, is Ballsier going to be hitting the net or it was a winner? I think just that, that's a cheat code. I, I don't know. That's what I mean. There's not many weapons out there. Like, yeah, obliterating the forehand is, is like that. But it's like, I think that's even more disheartening when you got a guy just that can hit 100 mile an hour forehand and he can also feather a ball. But that's what I mean. Like, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, his game plan is to play at a level that you're not at. Yeah. Like, Hachinov came in with, I'm going to hit power balls at his backhand. Hachinov was up, what was he up, 5-3? Yeah, and he was hitting great. And I've he, never seen him hit that. I mean, yeah. he's hitting great. Hachinov's an underrated athlete as well. Like, yeah. he, like, I didn't expect him to be able to develop like throughout his career into a clay court contender, if, if that's what we want to call him. But it's like, he he's jumping up there. He's looking like he might be a top-ten player. He, he was point. puzzled against. He was puzzled though because there was nothing in the in the arsenal that could compete with it. Once the once the Alcaraz kind of went into the next gear, it was just like there's nothing there. No, that's but a, I'm sure everyone probably feels that way, other than Sinner. So, the other two guys <laughs> that throwing that out there, so, not even in the tournament. So Carlos is going to play Borna Church, your, your your buddy. No, George, no you, not my you, buddy. You, you're off, I like him because he won Cincinnati. That's fair. You're off the wagon. George <laughs> is back playing amazing tennis. He's just he's such a good athlete, and I think that's that part sets yeah. his athleticism and his movement sets him apart uh, on the clay courts. Um, he's just able to cover so much ground and eat up so much uh, court when he's whether transitioning from defense to offense, um, and just. His, he's just, his footwork is so nonstop. Yeah. He's always in positioning. Uh, like, his position is – he's never reaching. He's never off balance. I think that's the one thing I've been impressed with him most this week is just – he just – there's very few times in a match where you feel like he is not on his front foot or not able to kind of get back into the, at least neutral. So he's got a, a hell of a tournament. He's looking to be back in the top 20. Um, that's two Masters 1000s in the 12-month rolling. I mean, not that's, a, bad, not a that's bad a good one. Year. In the other matchup, we got a lucky loser, Jean-Lenard Struff, against qualifier Aslan Karatsev. These two played in qualifiers. Karatsev taking that one into straight sets. Unbelievable. Both these guys were outside the top 100 uh, not long ago. Struff is now like live ranking. He's probably like, I think he's probably 40s or mid 30s. But yeah, because he did good. Entering this tournament, he was week 65. Before. Right. And when I, when I saw Struff out in Indian Wells, he was That's outside what, 110. Yeah. I, and I told you, I said, this guy. On the practice courts, he had you already called lost. it out. Yeah, I, I said that. I was like, he looks like he's going to be back in, in form here soon. The Indian Wells courts are slower, kind of like on the clay, and he when he's able to have time and get to his forehand, and he's got kind of longer strokes, and but he moves, he's a sneaky, his serve, solid mover. His serve bounces his up. Serve, oh, his serve it's is so yeah. much bounce. Like. And he looked solid in Miami. He had a good little run in Miami, but he just continued to come around. And on the clay courts, that's where he's having his break, his breakout moment of the year. It's like, yeah, and Struff. That match against Sitsi Pass was ridiculous. Coming forward, moving forward, like look very confident, knocking the the finishing ball off. Had Sitsi Pass all out of sorts. Yeah, um, I think that the tiebreaker too had Sitsi Pass out of sorts. Yeah, I think that yeah. messed him up. He's not wanting to fight that hard through a Struff. So Struff plays calf muscles. Karatsev, <laughs> Karatsev, after being outside, he's still outside <laughs> the one hundred. He is. He plays better when he's a qualifier. He it's and true. when he it's gets true. rid of the skull and crossbone brand, the hydrogen. Hydrogen's out. When he's back to that white shirt, blue pants. What's he with head now? Yeah, but he's doing the white shirt, blue pants look. No logo? No. Well, it's the it's head. A, it's head. Oh, it's it's head. all head. Head pants. So head. he ditches hydrogen. I guess hydrogen was bad mojo, but it's bad I mojo. haven't seen Carrots have play, put together anything relatively close no. to being his best tennis in forever. I, I wasn't sure if his level was, was gone forever, if what he was, but it's like 
on the clay courts. We've seen him have success at the Aussie Open. We've seen him do do damage on hard courts, especially faster courts. But on the clay, I mean, that match against Zhang, the, uh, the Zhang match, was, Zhang match was incredible. Medvedev match was Medvedev incredible match was too. Incredible. That one was. Bloke. I mean, he he looked so calm, cool, and collected, taking out his fellow countryman Daniel Medvedev. And it was like pretty routine. Like Medi had nothing to throw off Karatsev. Like he was doing the down the line ball like the whole day, just like because like to get him out of position to hit that much power to get behind him, because he he's he an octopus and yep. it just did not phase him. He was him. sitting wet. Like he was cranking, cranking that. I mean angles, taking the ball early, redirecting. I mean he hits moving, hard. He, he hits the ball so his his I would say his strokes. One word to describe them: stable. Yeah, it looks so hard to push him off his block. Like you cannot get him off. Like his his footing and just his his like his torque is so clean. Yeah, he Everything stays looks really so low. He does, and it's so com- it's compact too. And his backhand, he has so much control with the yeah. left hand. Yeah, just the, the one backhand cross court winner he hit against Zhang when Zhang came, he took the ball early and came to the net. Oh yeah, just I know just you. flipped that ball cross court. It was just like it looks so effortless. I'm like, that's such a tough shot to clean that. I thought the coming up off the rise on down the line on Medi was the same thing. It was just, oh, he just stood in somewhere about a foot inside the baseline and just kind of squatted down and just blasted it down the line. I think that was where it's just like, oh, if I can do that to this guy, like, I got a chance. Although that is going to be a hard final. I, I'm thinking Karatsev and uh, Alcaraz. What do you what do you call? Him? I'll, I'll take Karatsev. I mean, it's tough to beat a guy twice in the same tournament. I think that, especially with a guy playing at Schroes level. But true. Give me give me Carlos to take this title. I just I just don't know where where you attack him. I think Karatsev has the firepower to to kind of hold serve and push these sets deeper. But I think his Carlos's problem solving as well as his ability to adapt mid-match. And I think a lot of that comes from his coach, Juan Carlos Ferrero. I do feel like Juan Carlos has, has taken advantage of this coaching, um, just the, the allotment they give these players on the same side of the net to, to do the, to have in-match coaching. I feel like Juan Carlos has taken advantage of that the most. And I think that interaction just seems like... I, I'm wondering why there's not more um, chatter between the boxes and players. Like you see, Carlos is looking to his box pretty all the time. pretty often. They're yelling at, they're yapping at each other too. Pretty much throughout the whole match, yeah. and it's that's I, the I, thing I, we were talking about too. Is like if you don't have a coach that can do that, you're at a you're at a disadvantage now. Like if you're just sure. sitting there off on your own, like everybody else, like hundred percent, you need to get somebody that's gonna yap at you, be like, bring this back into the play. Yep. Like it's, you're, it's you're abandoning even, this, you need to bring it back. Like and just to kind of, I think. Players at, at that level, I mean, you just you, you just need the small things. It's like you know, work. You don't need to go for water tea. Just go body, or you, or, right. you know, um, just the simple things that I heard Juan Carlos say is you know, st- step in on this shot or um, on the second serve return, show them different looks. I mean, I think just those little reminders that you kind of get stuck in doing the same things you've always done, and yeah, you just you tweak things. And I think I, I've even talked to you when you're playing your matches. It's like it helps even, you even at that level, like at our level, in our you level, can, you can't show a. a a server the same return yeah. position every every the whole throughout the whole match you can i mean tell me to move my, like <laughs> down down in the set and you're just like just move your legs and swing it's just like or just just play tennis like kind of stuff where you're just like in this spiral and you're just thinking about yep. your swing it's just like okay i just need to reset so so that's a, been a great tournament we got Madrid finishing up here this week. The, on the women's side, Iga Svantec looks as dominant yeah. as ever. Cold. I just I mean, what she did to to Kudermatova, just one and one. And I thought Kudermatova was playing very good tennis. I just think Iga is 
head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. Just as we've kind of talked about with Carlos, I think a lot of this can be applied to Iga. Her ability to just, I mean, she a bunch of dropouts. The better the match. Tournament's weird, but you're right. Keep going. Sorry. The the higher the level of the opponent of of Iga, it seems like it's she takes it more personal to like dismantle that that player. Yeah, it's like she has she is ruthless, and she's got the high socks now. She's not rocking the no shows anymore. I think that also is like. That's a tennis look. And, gear uh, helper. It's it, a gear it helper. She's, she's, she's with the she's with the A6 shoes. I thought she was signed with On. I, I don't know if they're working on her shoe, but uh, she's rocking the A6 shoe, and I think it's a, it's a clean kit for her. She got she got set up. That A6 the A6 apparel she was wearing was was not cutting it. So yeah. Um, no, I think the yeah, other, I didn't like the fan shirt. Not a big fan of the the, the like, what shirt that has a little flag. Oh yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so the the one guy I wanted to talk about that. I thought was going to be a factor on this clay court um, swing is Casper Root. And Casper was tailing. I mean, he just seemed like he was in a downward spiral um, pretty much yeah. all season. I feel like he yeah. hasn't been able to find his, his best tennis. He's still ranked in the top five or six just because he's got he had so many points that he accumulated throughout the the, the back half of last year. Yeah. Uh, made two Grand Slam finals at the French Open and the U.S. Open. So What the, do you think that is? A like, lot of what, points why? Like why you think he's just different? Like he played more tournaments than everybody last year, so and that's think, it, that's it. And now he's so not. There's a few things I made note of here, um, and um, I think it's so. For one, in 2021, he played 76 matches. 2022, he played 73 matches, and I think. Oh wait, so what is he at now? I, I uh, probably he hasn't won that many matches, so he's probably that's true. He's, he's a lot, oh, that's lot, lot of early exits, so I think. But I think so. You you have over 140 almost 150 matches in two years. And then this past offseason, he didn't have an offseason. He went into this South American Latin tour with Rafael Nadal, five matches in like eight days all throughout. Um, I mean, all on all different types. I mean, it was Chile. Uh, yeah. I forget where else they played. Maybe Brazil. But it's like... Chile. So he he wanted to play with his, with his childhood hero <laughs> and his childhood idol. Super cool. And I think he's trained with Rafael at his academy and stuff. And I think that was like... He couldn't say no to that opportunity, but I think it's cost him. I think, you know, not having a, as much as it hurts you physically to not be able to recover and kind of get your body ready for the next season is, I think it hurts your your mental. I think it's just like hard to stay mentally locked in for a whole calendar. And I think not having that buffer of like, just kind of go back to your, whether it's your hometown or take a vacation and kind of regroup. I think that really impacted him. And then second, because he's got a physical, he's a very physical player. He plays with that physicality. And he brings that match in and match out. He's not going to slap winners against you. He's going to try to work the point and wait for the right ball. And so, you know, all those deep runs at tournaments. He had three three titles last year. He had two major major uh, uh, title runs. I think that added up. And then as well as to go with his style of play. And I think he's also got this, pre- uh, he's, I think he's more of a predictable player as far as his patterns and his style. Um, and I think that made sense to me when I met his coaches in, in Miami is like his game is a mathematical equation and he's playing percentages like his his camp is feeding him numbers on like, you know, on the third ball. If you step inside the baseline and get a forehand, you're winning 75 percent of these shots. Uh, if you work this pattern this many times, then like so everything in his head, like I wish I took a picture of it. His, his camp didn't want me to show showcase it on uh, social. So I've got it for my own self, but I'll, I'll kind of. Maybe in, the, in our caption, I'll drop some of these things that he's looking for in his matches. But it's like his his matches. He doesn't. He's not thinking out there on the spot and kind of trying to adapt in real time. It seems like his strategy is is already set in stone, kind of before he goes on the court. 
And so when a player is not giving him the looks that he thinks he's going to get, I think it kind of ruffles his feathers a little bit and gets him off his, off his, um, like you know his, his confidence wavers. And I think that's we're see, I think we're seeing that. And I think after you lose, you, you drop a couple matches, you maybe lose a little bit of faith in what and what you and your team are kind of putting on on the table to sell to do. And I think we're seeing that. And I mean, he just lost a clay court match to Arnaldi. Um, he had a, the other the other losses. I mean, he lost to Struff, who's obviously playing well, and he lost to Srundolo on clay. But this Arnaldi lost in straight sets. It's just like that's puzzling from a guy that we thought of as a clay court specialist who was as dominant, who had as dominant of the year as almost anybody last year. It's 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 puzzling. I think it's like it's. Are we gonna see Casper get back to that level? I mean, he's top five still. He won in Estoril. But he's got all he won the, Portugal, which is two fifty. But like, but he's got he Roland plays, Garros final to defend. He's got to get and then in he's there. got a U.S. Open losing final a lot of points there. Let me just tell you right now, Casper Ruud is not making the final of either of those slams. No, and he's playing too tight. Like Angel and I are joking about it at, every time we hit because it's like if you go out there and. Are you're thinking about everything, all the things that you can do at that level when you can do everything? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the just like when we were talking about Alcaraz. It's like what what's his game plan? His game plan is just to beat you. <laughs> yep. Whereas like Casper's thinking like all that like uh, analytic stuff, and it's just like it's just too Carlos much. His game is so much more free. It's just like and it that's looks that and way. That's why he has more fun playing tennis. It's like it yep. looks like he just enjoys himself a lot more. Casper looks stressed. He looks he, stiff. He's so stressed. It yeah. looks like. It looks like a job to him. Yeah. Like when he's out there trying to, even and when he's And it's fine, winning, and it's fine, and it's fine, it's fine until at that one point when it breaks and you just see it all come, come collapse. And it's like, I'm doing, I'm staying on the tightrope, staying on the tightrope, and then you miss, he misses one ball, and then you just see him completely unravel. Like, can't hit anything. And speaking of that exhibition tour, I wonder if that impacted Rafa's, I mean, I know Rafa hadn't played that many matches last year and this year combined, like, so he's he's had a lot, enough rest, but it's like, I don't know what the gain the gain was for either of those players. I know they like they love tennis. That both of them love playing. They're going to try to play, as, especially with the opportunity to play in that many fans, and you know do it in a in a way of. I mean, but I get it for Casper's point, but it's like Rafa at this point in his career. I don't know if that was the smartest thing to do. Yeah, I'm not a big when, fan of those things. I don't it, understand it. When, why? Why? It's like comedy too. And like it's bring like, out the guys, the clown like, tennis. Yeah. <laughs> and clay court tennis is it's grueling. Don't need and that. It's like. So the points aren't going to be over fast, and you know Casper and these guys are not going to be like you're not going to die gonna... on the court during an exhibition match. But at the same point, it's like those guys don't know how to not try. Either right. one of those guys, Casper and Rafa, don't know how to lay off the gas pedal. So it's like I don't. And Rafa has we've seen after Australian Open, he's disappeared from our from, from the schedule. So it's like right. Maybe I, I would wonder. I would like to hear from those guys if they would going he's, back and speaking of defending points too, he's got to defend some points or he's going to drop out. That's gonna I, be tough I know to you see. don't like that. That's going to be tough you don't to like see. that. So Rafa has yet to play yet. Can't beat Father Time on the clay courts. Is he gonna play Rome? I'm I'm hearing some rumors. Uh, one one of our one of my buddies um, who played at tennis at NKU right was in Madrid this last few days, and they saw him uh, took some videos of him practicing. He looks like he's picked up his intensity on the practice courts. He looks to be kind of going all out. Um, you can hear the, the grunt was as loud as ever, but it's like he he, he needs a tune up event. Can you just go into Roland Garros? Obviously, he's got 14 titles on that surface. It's a place that he's got the utmost confidence and uh, doesn't need any more experience. But it's like just to shake off the rust and get some of that match play, I feel like he would need that. I'm very curious to see what he decides to do uh, with Rome coming up, the last Masters of the clay court swing. Yeah, Djokovic is the current champion. I was I was wrong. I was thinking that that was... For what? Rome? For last year. For yeah. which tournament? Rome? Yeah, Rome. Yeah. 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 So 
Clay court swing's been a lot of fun. I think it's going to be uh, coming up. A great rolling Garros. It's, it's it's just a different style of tennis, man. It's the, coming the, up. The, the point, the point. I love can... the French Open. I'm a huge yeah. French Open person. Yeah, I'm just a yeah. fan. So is that where does that rank on your four slams of your bucket list? Where, where's number, the French? Number I like French Open. I put number one. I put number one. I put U.S. Open number two. Wimbledon Ooh. number three. I put the Aussie down at four. Yeah. I got Aussie at number one. I'll take as of something to do. Aussie's um, your number one. Uh, those fans. Really? I got. That's the energy I need when I'm watching sports. I need yeah. Aussie Open crowd. It's funny, neither of us picked Wimbledon. We've never talked about this, by the way. We no, no, we have <laughs> Wimbledon's probably number four on my list. Yeah. I just, it's just too stuffy, I too cold. Yeah, I'm going I'm to Rossby this year. I'm not gonna get like it's just it's a gentleman's sport, and I think that it's yeah. it's it's too much gentleman's stuff in Wimbledon. And I know there's people that are listening to this podcast that probably want to punch me in the face, but um, <laughs> yeah, Wimbledon's not my it's not my not my jig. No, no, me neither. I, I but I am going to the I'm going to the grass courts this year. I'm going to go to that. I know, and, that, and now that would excite me. Going to like a random 250 event. That's what it is. Would be cool. It's 250. Taylor Fritz current champion, but that's not till June. But that's going to be a that'll be. I feel like I'll get the the taste of what that's all about. Queens Court stuff, and then. I'm gonna go through Wimbledon's grounds and experience it, but I'm just my, I'm not. You know. I didn't want to offend my dad. My dad was in London like last week, and he came home and get, got us all Wimbledon hats. And I was like, Oh, damn, thanks, man. You didn't like awesome. that purple and green. Oh, this hat is. Mm. Was it green or is it purple or is it white? So I can't stand. It was white with the purple accent and green. I can't. That's just not a pinstripe guy. I'll, I'll put I'll put it on my my hat rack. I doubt I you'll ever see me wearing that in public. You're not gonna get that. I'm bad sorry. Lot. I love the gift. I really do. I really appreciate it. But the hat, I'm either a strict Velcro or snap yeah. hat guy. And that's like got that goofy buckle on it. Ooh. No one wants to wear And I'm a backwards hat guy. I, I can't be rocking a buckle, buckle on my hat. and yarn, yeah, some yarn. I mean, it's just like. Threaded. Yeah, like, like push it together. I'm just like, I can't do that. Nope. I, how do you guys, guys, what kind of hats do you guys wear on the tennis court? Are you wearing Velcro? Or are you wearing a snapback? Because. I use the hat as, like as a sweat collector, and if there's a buckle on it, that just doesn't like if you're rubbing, you're gonna cut yourself. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, All right, before we before we pick Sorry. up, we want to we want to get into college tennis, but let's take a quick break and we'll come back. Let's do it. All right, we're back. We're back. Okay, guys, we want to add a segment in for every podcast going forward. We're gonna do a new segment. Is do called- we want to tell why? Because we were told that we need to do this, right? Yes. It's a reoccurring segment. We need a reoccurring segment. <laughs> that was a message from from, from the the bosses from, from the bosses above that we need a consistent. And I now you know what I agree. So yeah. we're going to launch the sticky situation sticky segment today. Situations. <laughs> <laughs> Nate's funnier when I, Nate says it, but it's, I think everybody can relate to the one we're going to debut on pod number one. It's the it's the situation that we that I feel like I get into far too often in interclub tennis matches. Yeah. You know, yeah. you drop the hammer, first serve on the deuce court, you go big bomb tee, and the guy calls it out. After going for it. After going after for it, full, and then the ball snaps down the curtain and it feels good. Like you know when you like It's close. You know it when was you close. Yeah. And it and he and it gives it like ah, uh, actually that's that's just a little bit deep. A little bit deep. Sorry. And you're like, wait, what? And you're like, because you're, you're already lined up at the, on the ed court waiting for the first yeah. serve. Feed like, me the ball back. So if you're a veteran, of the, like, don't even question the call. Just go to the ed court. Just act like you're – so I actually got my opponent to overturn his call without even saying a word. I just I just yelled, come on. Like, I saw him point his finger out 
But I was like, you don't mean that. I just yelled, come on, and just went to the ad court. And he didn't say anything. I just looked at him and I'm like, I can't, I can't believe you right now. I but, mean, that's a gutsy move to, because honestly, that's, that's why we're defining it as a sticky situation. Sticky situation. <laughs> <laughs> because it requires that you do that. So, you, you either have to sit there and like listen to the like, you know what? Just take two. So you, you go drop, ahead. You drop your bomb tea serve, and they're like, "Oh, it's close, it's just a little bit deep." And you, and you know, you're like, "I mean, wow, you just, you just got to say something that felt good to me, or whatever." You, you kind of drop, and then they're like, "You know what? Just go ahead and take a first serve. Take a first serve." You you thought that was in? how? How did wait? J- did you think that was in? Did you think that was in? I did think that was in. It felt great off my racket, sir. Yeah. JP, talk to me. How do you deal with that sticky situation? I mean. Happens to me all the time too, because I I don't get that. But for me, it's like they're stealing a point, and if if you're gonna concede that you're gonna give me a first serve, it doesn't even have to be on a serve too, because people do it on any winner really. If, I, if now a, if they do it on another shot, I'm taking the point. Oh, I mean, I'm if, taking the point. If there's more than one, and you like they're looking at the lines every time you're close, obviously that's not a sticky situation. That's a cheater. <laughs> then it's war. Then it's all absolute war. But like the sticky situation is someone that you genuinely kind of like, or don't have a problem with yet, and then they do it, and then because you don't have a problem with, they say, "You know what? Go ahead and just take two. Oh my! You stole an ace, but go ahead and take two because you're not gonna hit another ace. Exactly. That's." Like, that's the that's where it's just annoying because you can't guys. They're, they're banking on the fact that you're not going to drop it again. Ex- exactly. So let us know how you deal with this sticky situation. Yeah, it's one it that it's like, and if you guys are gonna if you guys are unsure about a call, I promise, just give them the point. Just just let's let it go. Yeah. Just let, let let them have their ace. I promise it's not that serious. Unless you're playing for prize money, it's not that serious. Yeah. You'll sleep fine at night. And also, We've if take- you and if if you lay out for it and go for it and you watch it go into the net and then call it out, then you're a cheater. <laughs> <laughs> if it feels like cheating, guys, you're cheating. So there you have it. <laughs> There's our debut of sticky situation. It's a new segment. It is. I would love to get some feedback from you guys on what scenarios you guys have faced in your recent matches, or it doesn't even have to be a match. It can be at, at a practice at a, in, a, in a clinic, but. Um, no, that's one that JP. I never you, you had that the other day. I saw, I saw it myself, and I was like, "Oh boy, oh boy." Well, it helps too then when your buddy's behind there shaking his head, doing. <laughs> oh my! So I want to finish off today's podcast with a little bit of May Madness takes. Um, All right. Shout out to um, my my friend Alex Gruskin did a really good interview with Anaki Montez, the UVA Spanish number two singles players. Anaki is a tremendous talent um could probably play one but him and chris rodesh make up a hell of a duo at the top of that lineup and they were defending champs anaki was a lot of fun to listen to um on that episode and i think one thing that he, that was interesting amongst that interview was like he was asking about the difference between futures and high level tennis uh at the collegiate level and he really said that like the difference is that the level is is Pretty much, the, the, he thinks the same. He thinks the level at the top of college versus the futures is the same. But he found himself getting more nervous for UVA. For example, in March or Madness last year against Florida, he just said, you know, with the deuce point factor, you know, and the the, the rowdiness from the, the fans and the atmosphere, and the just bringing that energy from other like other teammates and other fans are yelling and stuff. You go to a futures tournament, it's very quiet. subdued. It's yeah. like very quiet. There's like yeah, the moment's big because you're playing for prize money, but it's like it doesn't feel that way because you're playing for solely yourself. When you go into these team events and these, the, like whether it's conference tournaments yep. or 
NCAA tournament. And for points. You're playing for your teammates. You're playing yeah. for your, your fan base, your community. You're playing for your coaches. And it's just a different feeling. And he said, you know what, like I – The pressure. He said the pressure feels a lot more real. And he's like, he, like, that's a big reason why he thinks that these college players are having success on the tour is that, the like, nothing will – compares to, you know, him playing against, for example, Florida last year with all, all these Florida fans going berserk. Yeah. And well, that's where I feel like the, the Futures Challenger used to have more pressure because mm-hmm. you're out on the road trying to survive and mm-hmm. get money. That meant way more, whereas now – I feel like the men's tennis is just, it is much different. Yep. Like, there's just so many more people watching. But he, you know, I thought and it was also cool that Naki said that he actually embraces that aspect of the sport. Yeah, he, he loves it. He wants it. He likes the crowd interaction. He thinks that he plays his best tennis when the lights are brightest. And he feels like the lights are brightest and the moment's bigger when there is a lot of commotion going around him. And then he, and then he finds himself, you know, in more of a calm state of mind and able to kind of find his best game and fight for every point. And I thought that was really I cool need to hear. That. And I think that is something that the ATP could possibly taking into consideration a little bit um, more throughout the calendar year is we've seen how well tennis does in team environments and with more crowd interaction. We've seen golf, um, especially with the live tour and even the, uh, the waste management. Like when, when you allow these sports that are known as gentlemen sports, let's let, let the energy around the event breathe a little bit and let people kind of be themselves when they're watching sports, which is entertainment, having fun. I think you can produce the same level of tennis or even higher at times because that adrenaline, that extra adrenaline rush when people are tired, it's like, I'm not going to be tired if there's all these fans that are trying to have a good time and watch me perform. So I thought that was a really fun interview. Um, I know I'm excited to see what... It's awesome. And the, oh, Do you want to talk for people that don't necessarily know everything about college tennis, how it's set up? Because like, for me, coming into it, you got the singles, you got the doubles, you got the team. But yep. there's there's three different brackets. Do you want to talk about how it's set up, what goes first, and how it's happening right now? Because like I think it's pretty cool. In regards to the doubles point, or, well, no, just the team turn the team the team tournament, oh. which is right now. Yep, and then the individual then they do the individual stuff. Yep. But so right now, if people so are talking right about now, men's tennis, it's so, talking about the team tennis. Yeah. So right now, if you're tuning into action. It'll be live streamed on all types of. Which um, is the cool one that we were just talking about? Because yeah. it's everybody. The doubles it's are playing. Team event. So you're, singles you're in, are playing. So yeah, all the teams are, are dropped in, uh, seated as they are ranked in the, in the ITA rankings. Um, I believe that's where they're how they get kind of credentialed into their seeds. But um, so yeah, you get a seed just like you do for for March Madness in basketball, and there's host sites. Um, so it's, it's not like it's not in, in basketball, you kind of get sent wherever, but so the top seeds host. So for example, Ohio state's one of the top seeds. They host a, um, four teams. Good luck going this there. Weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Ohio state's got it. Eastern Tennessee. So yeah. So they, for example, all the top seeds will be host and then they get sent down to Orlando, uh, USTA national campus where they will play out the, I believe from the sweet 16 and on. So it's, uh, that's good to know. Hell of an event. Yes. I can't wait to get down to Orlando. I'm, I'm, I head out on the 11th, and it's Division One, Two, and Three now. Down you went in, last year too. I did. I was in Champaign, Illinois. It was an amazing experience. I was blown away by the level of tennis. I was blown away by just the energy around the event, and I can't wait to be a part of that event. Hopefully, for many years going forward, just because I think it's I, it was probably more fun than any other tournament I went to all year, even more than all the pro tournaments. It's just because. The team aspect adds so much juice to it. And watching those guys warm up and kind of get in the pre-match huddles and just kind of release that. like It was just like going men being men, dudes being dudes. And the, even for the girls. I mean, I can say all the same things for the girls. I mean, yep. the, the energy the girls bring and the feistiness that you see from these females, it's just like they are 
it's a cat fight. They're going in. They are fighting tooth and nail to to win one of these championships, and it's it's going to be popcorn. I mean, on the women's side, I got the, the UNC Tar Heels. Very boring pick as the number one overall seed. Um, they haven't won a championship. Uh, uh, they haven't won an NCAA tournament in a long time. I'm not sure, but they've been a, one of the top teams. They win. In, they win indoor nationals almost every year. It seems like they have not been able to capitalize in the spring. But so I think that team is just loaded top to bottom. I think they finally pull through and take the title home. But yeah, it's. I just if you guys have a chance, get to your and there's a there's a region uh, host site next to you. Get to that this weekend. You will not regret it. You will not have seen tennis played in this type of fashion probably anywhere else. So uh, take advantage of that. Yep, it's going to be awesome. Guys, appreciate you for tuning in to another edition of the Pure Tennis Podcast. Had a ton of fun. JP, I appreciate you. And I can't wait to defend our city title, city title this on weekend the line on Sunday. Sunday. Let's, Let's go, go have some fun, baby. All right. All right, guys, have a great weekend. We'll be back with you. Peace. Say a prayer for us. Yes, sir.